everybody out in the Spider-Verse! Welcome to episode 7 of the Italian Spider-Man Coalition podcast. We are a Spider-Man-themed podcast with a Goomba twist and proud members of both Let's Go Podcast Network, Pop Culture Without the Pop, and the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Uh, it's been a long time. We took a month off, uh, you know, for uh, Thanksgiving break. <laughs> so let's just put it that way. I am one of your co-hosts. I'm the consigliere of the coalition, Peter M. Vera, but I cannot do this alone. And I need a one-two punch. Every uh, every nice bowl of macaroni needs a sausage and a meatball, and I got them both right here. Let me introduce the captain, Nico Caruso, and the godfather. Uh, you may know him as Daddy Bats, but around these parts, we call him Papa Webbs. Gentlemen, how are we today? We're doing great, man. It's uh, it's really a marvelous time to be a Spider-Man fan. We are on the eve, on the precipice. Yeah. Of this a big is, event coming. A big week. Big week for us, Spidey guys. We're going to talk about the past today a little bit and some current comic stuff. So I'm ready to roll, my man. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm super stoked to get back into it. It's been a while, but I think it's going to be worth the wait, not only for us and for the listeners as well. And we've, you and I, Pete, have talked about one particular movie we're talking about today. Kind of um indirectly back and forth a lot and what's cool is today we kind of get to have a full-on conversation about it which i think yeah. is gonna be and that movie is andrew garfield's final possibly final appearance as the web have amazing spider-man 2 uh we'll get into uh the first four issues of spider-man beyond as well that started with amazing spider-man uh volume uh number 75 and uh, we'll talk, you know, a little scongealy later on at the end, just to, to wrap it all up with the Christmas theme. But uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, I personally have not watched this film in a very long time. Uh, it's, I, as I said, pre-show, probably the Spider-Man film I watched the least. Mm -hmm. um, what about you guys? How often do you guys watch this movie? This is, this is probably the most controversial Spider-Man film I think ever made. I, I think that's, I think that's fair to say, what is it? Is it in your rotation? How often do you watch it? What, what's it like in the Caruso household? So for me, Pete, the, when I saw it at the show, that was like the last time I saw it for years. Mm -hmm. I never thought about it. I never went back for it. I don't think we bought any physical media of the movie or anything like that, but oddly enough, either during COVID or before COVID it's a movie that's been in the regular rotation of TNT mm -hmm. um, just a lot. And I found myself being drawn to it again, just on the Saturdays and Sundays when it's on, it's playing in the background. And, and for some reason, it's like, I'm starting to sit down. I'm starting to watch it again. So to answer your question, I've probably seen it probably three or four times in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I've developed a little bit more of a fondness for it. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but um, it's definitely, as we've talked before, these two movies have aged far better for me than they were the first time I saw them. Yeah. Well said for me, it's funny. So the, I went a long time with, I went a long time without seeing it after the theater um, because, you know, and Spidey was quickly, I mean, not even two years later was brought into the MCU and they was, launched Tom Holland. He was in those films. He was appearing in Infinity War Endgame. So I am, um, and even though I'm not the biggest on those films, personally, I was, that's the Spider-Man we as an audience were invested in. That was the one, those are the ones I was trying to watch and trying to get into. I would revisit the Raimi trilogy way more than these also because I was, I was frustrated. We didn't get to see the third and fourth parts because I was looking for the Sinister Six. I did think that would be cool. They were teasing the Venom stuff again. So 
I didn't do that thing where I was like angry. So I put him off, but it was like, there's no really reason to go back to him because we were with this new Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until it wasn't until I've watched one more than two, but it wasn't until we found out that these guys might potentially be coming back that I started mm-hmm. firing two a few more times. And I did my most recent rewatch last week in anticipation for this. And um, it is at times tough, but I do think there's some great stuff in there. Um, but you definitely see why it is, like you said earlier, probably it, I would say it is the most controversial Spider-Man film because of a lot of what they do and a lot of what they tried to pack in there and, in such a short time it feels yeah. like a, it feels like ha- half a film and half a launch pad for spinoffs and sequels mm-hmm. etc which when you start making an episode or a film like that it it, it it starts to suffer at times i, I want to go back to uh to papa webs real quick do you notice any difference between the the tnt broadcast and let's say the home video version is there any i haven't seen the cable version of the movie i'm just curious if no. if, if anything has changed not to me it, it's because because I, I obviously saw the whole thing again it it's pretty much spot on the same movie okay i was curious every once in a while they change so i'm yeah i mean it is, it's not acceptable for cable for some reason yeah i don't think that movie had anything in it that uh that was that kind of fell into that category so to me it's it's there's nothing i noticed let me put it to you that way Pete. okay um all right well let's just get right into the movie itself uh for me uh i, I agree with nico there's a lot there's there's a lot in here that I enjoy, but then there's a lot in there that's just stuffed in there for future films. Um, I'm not upset that we didn't get this Sinister Six, this version particularly, because I just, everything they did with the Osbournes in this movie is just wrong in my opinion. Mm. Um, I don't like, I'm not an Ultimate fan, so which probably leads to why I'm not a huge Miles Morales guy, considering that's where he uh, originated from in the Ultimate Universe. And this this franchise seems to kind of take a lot of notes from ultimate i this this whole like king goblin and this mutated norman osborne thing this osborne disease it just it it just felt kind of like cheesy to me i i I wasn't invested in it and a big part of the problem for this movie for me is harry osborne himself you know he just he just appears out of nowhere he claims to be peter's best friend even though they haven't seen each other for 10 years and it's coming from what we had previously it just it just doesn't work for me all the way up until his goblin transformation. It's just, it's, it's, I'd much rather have new goblin than uh, this mutated version of uh, <laughs> a Dane DeHaan. And uh, that, that, that I don't enjoy. Um, the Electra origin is very funky. And I'm, I'm dying to hear with uh, what your father has to say about this, Nico, because I know he's a big Electro guy. I don't mind the blue look, but the eel thing is a little weird. He's very much Edward Nigma from Batman Forever. Oh, you, you, you took, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> where I was you know? um, But I, I kind of like how he, I do like what Fox was doing, being unnoticed, and how, like, anytime someone gives him attention, he he takes that a little to the next level in a very stalkery, creepy way. Like, I thought he did that pretty well, given uh, what he was dealt to deal with. Um, what I do think works brilliantly in this movie are Garfield and Stone, as usual, Garfield and Fields, and the few appearances of uh, Dennis Leary. I yeah. think the, the, the ghost of Captain Stacy popping up at the right time really gets you emotionally because of where it ended up in the last film. What about you guys? Some likes, dislikes. Yeah, I, I'm right with you on the uh, the Electro thing. I am a big fan of Electro, but I was I, I understood you were never going to recapture him the way he was in the comics. And Jamie Foxx is a great actor, but you're so right, Pete. It's so Batman forever. 
um i remember thinking that when i was at the theater like that it's just the newspaper clippings and everything just everything like that you know um but i will say this i will say this about him and we could break it down further but the Times square scene is to me again i in this film it's It's a very good it's absolutely beautifully shot it looks Mm -hmm. unbelievable it's so vivid and so real and these movies again bring forth some of the best Spider-Man action we've ever seen. And I'm talking even to even, even the first trilogy and what we've seen in the MCU. So again, Jamie Foxx, the whole thing, maybe he'll get redemption coming up in, in the movie or whatever. But again, I hate to just copy you, but the, the thing that works, the thing that's beautiful about this is stone and, mm-hmm. and Garfield, right? I mean, they just electrify the scene, the screen every time that they are on together. It's beautiful. Like you really believe it, you feel it. And I got to be honest, it's some of the best Aunt May Peter. Mm-hmm. It is um, interaction we've seen, and and we got great stuff in the first one. So that's beautiful. Sally Fields is fantastic, and we'll talk about the ending and, and how tragic it is, and and, and everything that Spider Man. But I'm a little different than you guys where for some reason I was kind of digging some of the things that I know you guys don't like the parent stuff, Mm. the sinister six stuff, because Mm. it's just unfortunate that they tried to cram too much into this because that's exactly what they did. Mm -hmm. I, on the other hand, when I saw this movie at the shows, I was like done with it. Now that I rewatch it, I'm almost like it would be interesting to see Mm -hmm. a third one where they were going to go with it. And that's it. And it's not so much based on everything in the movie, but it's based on Garfield and where it was going. I didn't mind the Osborne a little bit different take on it. So I'm rambling here, but, but there's more for me to like in this movie, I think, than I don't. Yeah. Well said, I think with this movie, and I use this quote with Pete a lot, when I tell them there's a lot of great quote unquote, Spider-Man stuff in it. And there's a lot of great Aunt May and, Mm -hmm. Peter and Gwen stuff. And that's where I'm, I think the biggest sucker for the character on the film, you know, I'm, I'm a big defender of Spider-Man three and of this film as well, just because I like a lot of what they do with the main, with the title character himself. And it's the, the material around it, what they're trying to do with other characters and other storylines where it gets funky. I'll agree. Um, I, I was, I, I like, uh, I like Electra more as the movie goes on starting in Times Square. I do think mm-hmm. the order kind of ridiculous and i don't they do that whole stereotype of like the of like the person looks nerdy and not put together and his look is supposed to make you sympathetic not his performance or not what he's doing and yeah. and that he's and so i'm like okay and then he falls in the eel thing and it, it it's a little weird i mean he could have just got struck by lightning or something could have really it's such a weird where did they come up with this idea and why does oscorp have like like six tanks of electric. I don't. I don't understand it. Like I know Max designed the grid, but like where are the where do the eels come from? Like that's not uh, uh, Bob, uh, Daddy Bats. That's that's not like what is Electro's origin in the books? Like how does he become? It's 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 a lightning. It's more he gets so electric. He, he gets yeah, struck by lightning. So they're like yeah. I who I don't know who came up with this in the production meeting, but it's a horrible idea. What their purpose was like, was the government going to use those as like a new weapon in war? Send out the electrical eels to the the whole thing about the Oscorp. I didn't dig it, just and this, it's PETA's the animal organization, right? 
PETA? Yeah, PETA. I'm surprised they didn't shut down Ascorp, right? PETA. Just, <laughs> with, you know, with the electrical bio, abusing bio God's creatures. So that, manipulating them. Yeah, their, so the eels own. are like the weirdest part now um, because I, I do agree with you on this, Pete, and where I'm <laughs> a little different with my dad is the the Osborne stuff was weird, and I think it's 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 still hard to buy into it because we come off the first trilogy where Harry's some of the best stuff in that trilogy yeah. is him. And I think a big and I forgot to bring this up when we did amazing one, but I think a little whiff in the first one is not giving him like a friend, not giving him like a pal. Mm-hmm. So when he comes in, he's this darker, different version of Harry. There's this no that there's no there's no relationship with Peter and Norman. There's there's this weird thing where we're killing Norman. It's going to go right to Harry, and then they're trying to like through exposition fill in that they're friends, and it's just like well, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work because and then when he eventually turns at the end, it's like villain of the week was created and not so much his best friend turned into this villain, which mm-hmm. is the beauty of in the comics and in Spider Man three the beauty of harry kind of turning into this goblin character yeah. um, has a lot of weight behind it because that's his best friend he finds out who he is and in this movie some of that feels really forced like hey they're friends you're really supposed to care what he's doing he feels really entitled to have you know peter get spider-man help him get the blood and stuff and it's well yeah so so i think dane dehan does a good job acting wise i think if i'm going to grade the acting performance it's it's strong it's just the the take is a little yeah, I, I'm with you on that because he just comes off as just like a dick. He's an asshole, you know, in, in the boardroom scenes and everything. Like he, he does a good job acting again. Like he does well with what he's given. It's just not good in general. Yeah. Um, uh, I think there's been a lot of back and forth as to which movie is better or worse. Is, is it amazing two or Spider-Man three? Uh, for me, the clear cut choice is uh, Spider-Man three is the better movie. Yeah, there's no doubt of the cohesive story. You care about a lot of the characters. You know, the only new character you're dealing with is Sandman, essentially, and uh, Topher Grace is Venom. Like, so I, uh, I, I don't know. I just I don't understand how the, people can say this is a much better uh, movie when it just feels all over the place. Uh, I, I don't get it. I mean, I, if you want to say that some of the relationships are just as strong, uh, Peter and Gwen, Peter and Aunt May, I'll give you that. But that's kind of that's kind of where it ends for me. Um, I'm not. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, um, I I do appreciate how the movie explores Peter's brilliance and his detective mm-hmm. skills. Even though I don't like the whole spy parents thing, I do like how he goes about finding it out and discovering the, the tokens and everything. Like, I I, I dig that. Um, I just there's. For me, the movie, as I'm, as I'm watching it, it hasn't aged well. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, wow, this is, like, I could see, I, I finally now am, like, seeing it in a different light than I have in the past. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not favorable, in my opinion. It's interesting. You know, did you ever see that cut scene where the father comes back in a cemetery? I, um, I like that. It's a really there good scene. There are a few deleted scenes. And, and Yeah, and we'll talk about the big one. Let's save the big one with the MJ that never... Well, I think there's one that's even bigger than that, to be honest with you. But um, so Pete, it's funny how we look at this, you know, because like I said, for me, it's aged better. It's so clunky, though. You're I would his before you were saying it, it's funny, it's like you're reading my mind. You're right. There are some comparisons to Spider-Man 3, but Spider-Man 3 is a much better film. Mm-hmm. It's just more tightly, the characterization is better. Mm-hmm. You're right. The the whole hairy thing in this movie is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense, but the kid is good. 
And so for me, I'm willing to kind of forgive some of that off-screen development, whatever you like to call it, Nick, or whatever, and give him a little bit of credit because he is menacing at the end and he, and he does, it's terrifying what happens and what he's responsible for. It's very tragic. Um, The spy parents thing to me is, it's just like, it's so ridiculous that I wanted kind of just know where it, where does it go? You know, like it's what so out of place, I just so out of place and so bizarre Pete, but it's one of those like untold stories. And I think I'm going to shout out our guy, Sean O'Connell, because I think he's going to have the answer in his book, mm-hmm. albeit it's not coming out for a year with great power. Mm-hmm. Um, he's doing the book and I know that I've conversed with him a little bit. He, he's interviewed the director so hopefully we're going to get some kind of resolution as to where that thing really went. Uh, as far as some other things that don't work, it just, it, it's mainly for me, it's mainly electro. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that I, I don't know, it's the, the whole Harry thing is creepy. It's just it, bizarre. To comment on the spy parents real quick. I think what happened and maybe you both will agree, maybe not is, I think they were in the first movie. It's very clear. They wanted that whole, all the stuff with his father to kind of tie into how he became Spider-Man mm-hmm. and maybe villains, et cetera. So that's interesting. The DNA and everything. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting in the first movie. It's different. And at that point, okay, he, it's a little different spin on the and Excuse me. And he's like on the run from Osborne, right? Yeah. So that kind of makes sense because he's Osborne needed mm-hmm. him. And then in the second film, though, it feels like they're putting that storyline back in, but they're also setting up the Sinister Six and figuring out, okay, how how could they now tie into Oscorp and all these other films again and yeah. again and again? And it almost gets lost and becomes a little less interesting because you're like, wow. And the whole opening scene with the plane crash, while it is shot very cool, I'm like, you for, you almost forget it's a Spider-Man film. And like it feels film. like something out of a James Bond movie. Yeah, yeah. it feels like Mission you know? One yeah. and like the dad's fighting in the plane. <laughs> There's like the gun flying around, and I'm like, there, there have been rumors that 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 guy, the 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 hitman, let's say, um, is the man in the hat at the end of the movies. Like he survived somehow. That's and, another uh, thing. That's another thing. So there's, there's because this, because this is left on such a cliffhanger, oh, right? So like Sony was, I think Sony was going to proceed with um, the Amazing Three if it wasn't for these uh for the the hacks by uh uh north korea or south whatever whatever kim jong-un <laughs> like he had yeah. sony in like 2014 hacks, right the yeah. famous email yeah, hacks. The sony email hacks um and i think they would have proceeded if if you know those emails didn't go public and people were like this just sounds horrible you know they were they were talking about doing an aunt may movie for some reason you know and I know that the spy parents has like it does come from the comic books. I I can't remember from where or what era. I know it has been published that they were agents of Shield and yada yada yada. But it just it never it's for me. I think these two movies, and I'm probably gonna catch heat for this, they focus too much on Peter and his parents and not enough on Uncle Ben. I, I think that it's the the lack of Uncle Ben starts an amazing too. Um, because Peter is still he just hasn't gotten over his parents, whereas Traditionally, we don't really know what happens to Peter's parents, you know, in, in other sorts, in other variations of Spider-Man. And it's the loss of Uncle Ben is really what hurts Peter the most. He seems to have come to grips with whatever has happened to his parents um, in various incarnations. But it, again, Uncle Ben just seems to loom large over Peter. 
And uh, I think, you know, the fact that he's kind of regulated to just kind of being stuff that it may wants Peter to look at in a box in this movie is kind of, it's kind of a bummer, but I'll still give the edge to amazing too on uh, they did the better briefcase. <laughs> I think, I think the briefcase <laughs> amazing is at least more interesting than the briefcase and whatever the MCU's done. Yeah. It's weird, Nick, like you were saying, it's almost like they're trying to make his father and Oscorp indirectly responsible for all these villains, right? Forever. Like there was, so, it's almost like the Stark thing in the MCU now. It's like yes. where they're just like everything kind of flows back. I think it works better though. I think having Oscorp as the center of Spider-Man's world works better for me than having it Stark Industries. It just yeah. more natural. Exactly. Exactly. But I think the point I was trying to make, Pete, was like it's almost like we're now we're Stark, like everything revolves around him. It's like in this Spider-Man universe, everything gonna call back was going to go back yeah. to somehow Peter's dad and and whatever the relationship was with Norman or whatever that deal was. Uh, but I think to, to talk about like Garfield, I just think he looks great in this movie. The costume looks great oh, in the movie. It's my favorite Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, no, the is pretty much perfect. We've talked about it from the first one. He's got that lean, lanky mm -hmm. look to him. And I, every time, and, and that's largely why when this movie's on all the time, I just it just catches my eye and I'll sit down and I'll just start watching it from whatever point it's on. Mm -hmm. And that again, just to go back to that Times Square, that whole scene with with the police and with, it's just so beautifully shot. You talk about cinematography all the yeah. time, but that's like to me like something right out of a comic book. Mm -hmm. It yeah. just pure essential creativity with the web shooter and how he saves people. I, I think that's vintage. I really do. I'm with you. I think that yeah. scene works really well. Um, I like what Jamie Foxx does. I like how Andrew Garfield tries to talk him off the ledge. Nice. I like how the cops are a little bit more, a uh, little bit more trigger happy. Um, you know, like I, I like how everyone has their objectives. I, I think, I think that scene works really well. I think the action scenes in the movie work really well. I, I like the scenes with the rhino. I know they, they kind of feel a little shoehorned in there, but I, I like Giamatti as, as uh, Alexi, I, you know, the, it's a little weird watching him kind of gallop in that uh, mech suit at the end. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of prefer my traditional like uh, rhino in the suit. He can't take off. You know, like he's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. he's like he's a giant, like eight foot guy. Like, I, I dig that, but I get what they were doing. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, just oh, just I'm, 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 there's I'm, my mind's racing right now. Nico, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, because I uh, I agree with you. I like a lot of the rhino stuff, too. I, I think the action scenes really hold up well um especially from a visual standpoint there's a lot of great stuff with the camera in here with reflections in his eyes the way the electricity works all stuff his web shooters the way it goes to zooming in and yeah. you know, slow. um i love what you said the way he saves people is very creative um he is really a lot of what he does in the suit is classic spider-man in here he does try to talk people down he does have a lot of great quips in here um he does he does You've got a lot of great humor. The other thing I really appreciate about this movie that I think they carried over from the first one well, and that's one thing that really does age from one to two is th how the city is a little bit more in support of him now. He's mm -hmm. there. He's the people's hero. You feel that with, you know, when he helps the one kid and then he he's in the costume and then it's very inspiring. The cops are more on his side. Yeah. So his relationship with New York in these two films is very strong as well. And um I like seeing them like cheer for him when he fights and um, and um, the, the only thing I will say about some of the action scenes um, and I know we we talked about this on a 
like a two or three shows ago is at times I feel like the score from Zimmer is cool and it works with all that techno stuff they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then there's times where I'm like, okay, I think it's a little too much and overscored. Like they got the scene in Times Square where Electro's like watching himself on all the screens and you hear that like, <laughs> like it's yeah. playing back. <laughs> that song works better in the movie than it does in the soundtrack. I remember when we did yeah, the soundtrack show. Yes. I'm listening to it. I'm like, I don't remember this. What is going on? What is like, going on? <laughs> this is like some depressing oh. stuff. It's it, it's cool at times with the bass drops and some of the words, but there's one part where like the words are getting louder and I'm like, okay, like a couple of times I'm like, wait, is Fox talking or is this score? Is he saying this? But I get it. It's, it's trying to be, I'll always give like a, I'll give a pass to something that tries to be really, really, really creative. And I guess those lyrics are supposed to be like, oh, what he's thinking in his mind, we're hearing it. Um, instead of having it be like a uh, traditional where it shows him thinking his character's voice is talking. So, but at times the score is great. I do dig, people hate this. I dig the itsy bitsy spider thing. Oh, in the power plant at the end. I like yeah. that. I, I think like that's that. awesome. I think that's cool. And, and, and I like that. It's, I like I, how he taunts him a little bit. Yes. Yep. He's taunting him. And I like how Peter's self-aware too. Cause he's like, Oh, I hate this song or whatever. And, and it shows, um, it shows a more confident, calculated Electro, which is, which is development in a way for Max Dillon, who starts mm-hmm. off very nerdy, very well reserved, wanting this attention, and then at the end of the film, he's smacking around Spidey mm-hmm. in a clever, creative way. Um, so I like that a lot. One of the things that I think is very unique, and I think we've only seen this in two films, and the other one's Homecoming, is there's a lot of personal Spider-Man moments. You mentioned the young boy with the turbine in the alley. Um, we, we don't see, we, there's not many moments in Spider-Man's uh, theatrical history where we see him really interact with New York City and the, and the citizens himself. I, I don't think we saw too much of that in, in the Raimi movies outside of uh, the pizza scene in the top uh, of yeah. the building, right? Where uh, yeah. in Spider-Man 2. Uh, but like, I think like between this movie and Homecoming, we see him a lot. And I love the scene where he goes to the bodega, puts on the suit, he's sick. He's got the hat and the vest and the guy can't understand him. You know, I think those moments are really good. And that's, I think, what separates uh, Spider-Man from most other heroes outside of Superman is how he interacts with the community around him. You don't Uh see Batman do that. You don't see Daredevil do that. Uh, Maybe Captain America to an extent. He's maybe more of a spy uh, and more more of a symbol. But I think Superman and Spider-Man interacting with the public is great. And that is one of my favorite moments a few moments in this movie is seeing him uh, just be that, you know, hopeful figure being down to earth, you know, uh, when he's dousing uh, Electro in Times Square with the firemen and he knows them by name, they're all getting fist bumps. He's wearing the fireman's hat. Like that's that's good Spider-Man stuff to me. And I think there are those moments that really shine in this movie, but then there's some crazy other moments that just really take it away, you know, and, there's a lot of personal moments with Peter, like the dim sum scene is really great to go from graduation to that. Like talk about like just the highs and lows of emotion. Uh, you know, their, their chemistry between stone and Garfield is unmatched in any movie. In my opinion. Yeah. I'm, I'm a defender of Dunstan T- McGuire. But, too. Uh, and I, and I, yeah. I think that uh, we always talked about it at the core of the, of the Spider-Man film too. It is a love story. I mean, it's, and it's, this one really to me is absolutely beautiful. Like, again, you feel all the emotion with him and Gwen and, 
you know, the one scene at the end, right before when he, when he webs, yeah. I love you. Mm-hmm. That's really, great. She's ready to leave. Right. She's going to, she's going to head abroad. Right. Or, or whatnot. And, Oxford, and, he, in England, yeah. and it just, it, that's about the best you're going to feel with a love story. That, that, we- that scene that you mentioned, the I love you scene is the best and the worst because it's great because of the chemistry the two of them have, but it's yeah. also worse because you see that coat. You see her in that outfit and you no. know no. what's coming. No. If you're a Spider-Man fan, you no. know what that outfit symbolizes. And it's not something they hid either. Like that outfit was released in, in still images, in trailers. No. They didn't try to hide the fact. Like you knew when you saw that coat, she's going to pass. Like it, it's... You know, it, it, there's no doubt in my mind. Like, I remember seeing the coat and I knew what was going to happen. It's not like it was a... Uh, it, it wasn't a secret. Spoilers, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, it's, you know, you introduced Gwen Stacy and, uh, you know, and Raimi didn't do this, but you, you expect her to uh, meet the ultimate end, right? Like, you expect to see the demise. Exactly. Um, and I will say, well, now that we're on that topic, that, that everything leading up to that scene doesn't really work. Like it doesn't, you, the whole stuff with Harry and how he figured, like, you know, I like her and Peter's dynamic in figuring out how to defeat Electro. You know, I, he's not relying on her. They're working together. I like that partnership, mm-hmm. but it's her falling does work. It hits you as a Spider-Man fan. Once you hear the thud, like, it's like, it, it's, it's eerie. It's creepy. It's unsettling. And then you, you get to see Garfield's reaction. And I thank God they allowed him to take off the mask and use some facial expression because he really sells it um, brilliantly and effortlessly. He looks like he's, I mean, obviously they were dating. They were in an actual relationship. You could see the pain. It, it doesn't look like he's acting. It looks real to me. Well, you know, it's interesting you said that because apparently the director told Andrew he he relied on the fact that they were dating in real life, that they were in love. And I said that on our on the live stream you guys yeah, had. Yeah, exactly. And he, and he and he said, make sure you know, make you make you feel like that. What if she died in real life? Um, let me ask you a question. When I went into the movie, I still did. You know, back then, when did this movie come out again? Twenty four, twelve, fourteen. Yeah, okay. I don't, know. I, I 14. don't think I was that active on social media back then, and I'm not sure. It, I, it wasn't like it is I now. cared or paid attention. I don't think I went into the movie actually knowing that she was going to die. Like I think part of me, while I was watching the movie, thought, "Yeah, they're not going to kill her." I didn't think they were actually going to go through with it. So, like now today, we know every single thing just about that's going to happen or, or leaks and whatnot. But it was shocking to me when it happened. And even though really? when I yeah, I wasn't, I didn't buy into the fact. I didn't think for sure that that was going to happen. I'm like, he's going to save her. He's going to save her. Now, when I walked out of that movie, I, again, I was disappointed, but that and that last scene we'll talk about really cemented something for me, but I got more of a well, appreciation. Go, for it. go, go, just go. Just let well, it go. You know, like when she, when she died, I was, I was kind of shocked. I'm like, wow, they really did it. They, they went for it. Um, And then to me, I got to be honest with you guys. I say this all the time, but the last scene in the movie when the rhino comes and the kid confronts the rhino, mm-hmm. and he comes back. God, it might be my favorite Spider-Man. No, it's moment. great. I'm filming. It ends on a very high note of anything. And, you know, he again, he just looks like Spidey, right? Because he's not like real buff and it's not like he's got muscles. Wire had like a muscle suit. It looked like he had like a muscle suit. Yeah. And here's this little kid with the glasses, you know, 
maybe a little Nick Zednick. I don't know. He reminds me of, you know, like jumping oh, out. If that's not Zeddy holding that 2099 comic, I don't know who is. Exactly. Zeddy is, Zeddy is. And um, it's just like, even my wife, who is not a particularly big fan of these movies, but when that scene's on, I stop it and I tell her, come here, watch this. And she watches it. And even she gets a little bit teary eyed. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. is why I watch these movies. Mm-hmm. They're the greatest thing in the world. I go, these are heroes. I go, Spider-Man is, is again, I'm yeah. a bad guy slightly more, but Pete, that moment mm-hmm. he's ready to roll and his dial. And then he's quipping, right. Yeah. And he's talking and he's talking to the to police department. So you me. Yeah. You want yeah. me to come down there? And it's just so beautiful. So, I'm going to go out here and tell you guys that honest to God, that is up to this point, because mm-hmm. I think we're going to get a few moments in a few days, but that is my, that's my favorite Spider-Man on film. I really hope that uh, Andrew calls uh, Fox sparkles. I'd like, I'd like for that to continue. You know, I like it when he's like, when he's at the power plant, when Jamie's at the power plant, he's like, they're going to worship me like a God. He goes, a God named sparkles. Like I, 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 they went over the top with the quippiness because of the lack of quippiness and probably the previous in the previous series, but it doesn't bother me. Um, I get more bothered by how dark Peter is. I prefer a little bit more of a nerdy traditional Peter Parker. Garfield's not like that. And I get that. I, you know, you want it. They want to do something different. This franchise was about doing things differently than what they previously did. And that's why Gwen dies at this clock tower and not the bridge. Like, you know, back when Spider-Man one came out, you know, you're just happy. Like, okay, I get this homage. I I appreciate that. That's good stuff. Okay. But he saves her Uh, here. It's, it's a little different. It's, it's, it's shot well. And I appreciate the, the actual death itself, but you know, I, I do kind of wish it happened at a bridge. So, like, they they did a lot of things differently intentionally. You could tell that they were intentionally straying away from what Raimi did to more honor what he loved. And they're finally getting a chance to do this with Webb. And they're like, well, we can't do this exactly. We've already done something like this. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's I think true. to talk about each of those two, I think this movie ends very strong. From Gwen's death till when he's watching her video and gets inspired to to go back out there is it's it's very strong it's 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 classic spider-man he's um he's reached his lowest point yet he still has to come out of that to be the hero that the city needs him to be you know he's got to flex that responsibility right um you can't just give up when 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 some tragic he cannot afford to quit when some tragic like that happens but i love i agree with you pete the setup and the build to her death with that fight with harry isn't great but I think the moment she starts falling from a visual standpoint and then from an emotional standpoint, it's a really great executed scene because mm-hmm. even um, even it shines in his performance well too. There's no score. There's no music playing. Mm-hmm. And he's doing that in denial thing where he thinks she's going to wake up or he thinks that she's still mm-hmm. alive. And they allow it to sit with you as an audience for a sec. Is she dead? Is she dead? Is she dead? And and and, and that almost like, reminds me of Rises when Batman fights Bane. Nolan takes out the music. You know, and yeah, it's just yeah. the scene itself. It's 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 the yeah. fight. You know, like and this it's it's from the thud to, you know, his his scream and everything. Um, so it does work. Yeah, as a Spider-Man fan, you know, watching her fall, and, and him trying to save her in the fight. Like I know it's it's Harry and not and not Norman. But it does work for me as a Spider-Man fan, as, yeah. as much as like the buildup is a little funky. Yep. I, I agree with my dad for one thing is I remember going to see the movie and me thinking 
okay, I, she's probably going to die, but will they really kill? It was at a point where I think she was really big and she still is, but during that like mid 20 teens, like 14 to 17, I mean, she was huge. She got like real big after super bad, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder how, are they really going to kill Emma Stone off in this movie? Because, and I've had conversation with Justin about this, even though I love, um, he's, he has a take that you should always, in a, when you do Spider-Man films, you should start with Gwen, have her die and move over to, MJ. to Mary Jane. That's why he loves the MCU so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> am I, am I comfortable? <laughs> exactly. And my comeback to that is always, it still feels weird if you think about now that that movie's ended and it mm-hmm. ends and where we might pick up with him in No Way Home, it makes more sense. But to have two more movies where there's a, a new love interest and they fall in love. And I get in a story like Spider-Man Blue, they they make that concept work beautifully. But I was, I've always wondered, like, how would that have actually worked for an audience? Like you, you have Emma Stone and you kill her. And you bring in Shailene Woodley, who's not necessarily on the same level as Emma Stone, especially not at that point in time. And you're going to make her have this super loving relationship the way him and Emma Stone just had. It's it's an interesting. So that's part of the reason why. Like how quick would that develop? I would yeah. agree with you. Yeah. That's why that's the scenes why, were cut probably. That's why I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. It's I was, that, that was what got cut. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if they're really going to kill her because can they do it? Like maybe they'll do that. Sometimes in film, they do like the revisionist stuff or what, or what the MCU likes to do is they like to take these notable comic storylines or scenes and they flip them, right? Mm-hmm. Having the scrolls be refugees and they're good as opposed to bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one example. So I'm like, oh, what if he saves her? And that's like the big us as Spidey fans, you know, this version of Peter got to do what the comic Peter never got to do. Mm-hmm. And in this film, Gwen is going to be his love interest forever. But then, no, she thugs and you're like, oh, yeah, no, she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, Peter's blood. I did a lot of research. Not a lot. I'm not going to. I Googled. I did some Googling. I didn't do any research. I'm not Sean O'Connell. But I'm glad his book's going to come out within a year. Went to the library. <laughs> to the library looking, at, looking up old newspaper clippings. Yeah. and. Um, I, I did some Googling and I'm glad uh, O'Connell's book's coming out because I want to, I'm looking forward to getting answers, but there's scuttlebutt on the internet that Peter's blood would have been a focal point in the next movie where he uses it to kind of resurrect people who have passed. I know they brought up Captain Stacy. Um, it was rumored that uh, Norman doesn't die. There was a post-credit scene where the man in the hat walks up to Norman's frozen head talks to it no one responds and that's where the end like he's just and then he evolves into king goblin which uh, I'm, I'm leaning on you ultimate readers to tell me what that's about i think the only king goblin i've ever seen is in into the spider-verse and that's like the one part of the movie i can't stand i'm like what is this is this the hulk who is this guy i don't understand this the ultimate version has a lot of different spins on the villains and in there is the green goblin is more of like this mon- he's like a hulk like monster yeah no okay no sorry bendis i don't like origin though it's just he's a different it, I, you know, I, you, you know, it's been so yeah, long I, since I, never, I read I those read early issues, but, but it is similar of, he needs something. He injects himself with something okay, instead yeah. of be, like he does in the traditional way. He becomes juice head on steroids. Yeah. It's like monster. Like a Bane. Kind of like a Bane. Like a Bane. Like a, and, uh, interesting. Um, yeah. Violent. And their fights are his 
if you think about Spider-Man's violent villains, the ones he fights where it gets really rip and teary and bloody, it was always when he fought the goblin because he had like claws and everything would mm-hmm. be some really violent fights. And he's actually um uh, spoiler alert for if you haven't read the ultimate comics but would like to it, it is the he does fight the green goblin and that is when he dies you know is in a final stand with the green goblin at the end of that um ultimate comics Interesting. So, yeah and that's when miles takes over correct yeah i would have i would have not wanted that in these movies but i think so. we could all agree that what we're talking about there's just too much going on in this movie and that's yeah. for sure yeah. And, and you could see you could see Felicia Hardy's in it, Alistair Smythe yeah. is in it. Like they're setting yeah. things up. I mean, Spider Slayers were rumored to be an amazing three. Um, this uh Nico probably would have enjoyed this. Amazing three would have featured the symbiote uh mm-hmm. taking Peter at his weakest uh, you know and, and manipulating him into using the blood to resurrect that like those are the rumors online. Like you, you could do some Googling and find them yourself. They're, they're not hard to find. You could find you the there's pictures of I believe his name is Chris Cooper, his mm-hmm. head uh in like this Oscorp jar. Uh, they filmed it. it. It's not on the DVD, at least not on mine. I don't know if it's if they're going to ever release an anniversary cut of this film. So there might be more uh, footage in that if that ever gets released. But yeah. it's not in that in the DVD. I checked the special features and stuff because I would have liked to see. I, I I even watched some old videos of John Schnapp, Christian Harloff, and uh, everyone's favorite John Campia talking about that specific scene. <laughs> and it, you know, and you're kind of like interested. Like they cut Mary Jane. They cut the Ed Osborne stuff. It's yeah. very scene in the cemetery. Yeah. yeah. The, the yeah. father scene. I remember, I remember, yeah, I remember that. And I didn't even find on the internet, like until you mentioned it, it didn't bring back in my head. So yeah, it's just, we talk about no way home being very ambitious. Amazing too is extremely ambitious, you know? Yeah. And it, it, it's interesting uh, just how it all unfolded. It, 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 I really think Sony was just going to pull the transformers and, and paramount and just plow ahead. We're just going to keep doing it. We're going to keep making Spider-Man movies and we're going to see what happens. And to be honest, I feel kind of, while I don't love the MCU version as much as I love the Raimi version, I'm happy Raimi's version ended at three. I'm happy this amazing ended at two. And and I'm kind of glad that, you know, Feige got his hands on it. Cause I just, to me, this was going to just, I think this was going in the wrong, wrong direction. And I feel totally differently now than I did at, in 2012, 2014, when I saw this movie. And it just has names, though. The audience spoke in volumes, right? Because it didn't do particularly well for what they were hoping. I mean, I, yeah. I probably still didn't. I, I'm sorry, I didn't it's research. It's in the sixes. But I mean, that's disappointing. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know, when, when you're on your... And, and for me at the time, I remember feeling somewhat vindicated. Like, yeah, I wasn't real crazy about these movies. Maybe they shouldn't have rebooted them so quickly then be careful for what you wish for because then i got the mcu spider-man which really was not up until this point has not been my cup of tea so you can even make that case with with uh affleck's batman it's yes. a little too too fast after you know rises and i Absolutely. think there's something i think you hit i think you're onto something there there's got to be room to breathe we've got to be able to really miss these characters and you know and then if you want to come back at me and say well Matt Reeves Batman is coming out. It was like, yeah, like he did get that job in like 2017. It took him five years to basically write. Yeah, but you know, we haven't had a solo Batman movie in since ages in like nine years. Yeah. So. Forever. So, I mean, that's my argument to anybody that says that because no matter what you want to say, I know a lot of people think BVS is a solo. It's not a solo Batman film and anything that's from a, the- just a justice league movie. <laughs> that's like a justice league movie. Exactly. Right. The dawn of justice. So I, I think that, um, that 
I think they were too quick to reboot it. And I think, unfortunately, the we always like to talk about the general audience. Well, look at me. I was a diehard Spider-Man film, and I, I kind of shunned those two movies and didn't appreciate them when they come out. And if I was that way, I can only imagine the GA, the general audience, is probably too much Spidey, man. Too quick. Same think- thing the first one. And, and it's a shame, Pete, because... Like we talk about at the end of the day, the castings were done well. Mm-hmm. There were some brilliant performances visually. There are great some- actors in these movies. There really are. Right? Chris you Cooper's would- a great actor who never got a really chance. Never, never got he never play. got a shot. And maybe Shailene Woodley would have been great marriage. Yeah. I, I don't know. We're, we're never going to know. We're never going to know. So um, it's a sad, it's a sad thing because it's almost like it's almost like me going back and reading like some comic series that I was kind of digging, and then for some reason it gets canceled. You know, and like at least Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man that kind of got weird at some point. Kind of how I feel about these two movies, because it and, and of course, it's not going to happen. But it's almost like the book comes out by Sean. I, I just want some clarification yeah. of some with, of the yeah. where, where they were really going with it. And uh, no, I don't want them to continue it in animated form or anything like that. But <laughs> actually, me personally, if, if Mark yeah. Webb was interested in finishing finishing his trilogy in a comic book, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, because yeah, that, that's for us. That's for uh, the Spider-Man fans. It's it's a niche thing. Yeah. I would not be opposed to it if he if that's what he wanted. Um, I do think there's a lot of parallels between these two web movies and the Schumacher Batman movies. I think sure. Amazing One gets unfairly paired with Amazing Two because I think yeah. it's far superior film. And I feel that way about Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. You know, they yeah. just, everyone just remembers what you did for me lately, and it's Amazing yeah. Two, Batman and Robin. So therefore, well, what came before it sucked. Well, no, those movies were good. That's why we got sequels. There's a reason why we never got sequels to the second movie because they sucked. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense to me. Um, but overall, I just I look at it and it's just. There are there's a lot of good things in here. There's a lot of great actors in this. I just I wish they were a little bit more patient. And this is kind of I believe this film is where you start to see the influence of Avengers and what really took off in the MCU. You know, people for the first time, people are accepting these large ensemble superhero casts with with multiple characters. You know, the solo movie was almost kind of a thing of the past at this point. And uh, maybe it'll get a resurgence here at some point, but uh, you could really see the impact of what Avengers did because now everyone's trying to incorporate things. And you could see, again, we mentioned BVS, you got Batman, Wonder Woman, and, and you know, three other members of the Justice League get cameos of that film. You could see mm-hmm. what the MCU was doing and how the audience was reflecting. And Amazing tried to cash in on that. You know, they, they, they were going to bring in the Sinister Six. They, they, they had all these guys. We saw, Do- we saw the, the Vulture Wings. We saw Doc Ock. You see this weird orb thing, right? Which everyone assumes is the symbiote. So mm-hmm. it's it's it was an interesting time. It was a I, it was a transitional phase for the genre, I, I believe. You know, it was cool. One cool thing, and and then in retrospect, when the film wasn't coming out, it was more like a bummer. Is I remember being excited <laughs> knowing the six were coming because the stuff we saw in the in that subway or whatever. But I remembered if you you and I don't know how many people still use <laughs> the app Shazam where you like it can tell you what song is playing if you want to find out a song you hear it on the radio or you use stuff. that I just have Siri so well so <laughs> sorry this was like 2014 <laughs> I remember if you were in the theater and you held Shazam during the credits they would show you these six pictures would get yep. sent to you okay and it was supposed to look like 
So you saw the vulture wing, you saw the arc arms, you saw like electricity again to like say maybe Electro is not dead. And then they showed you like this gas, colorful mist. You're like, okay, is that Mysterio? Then there was like the horn of the rhino. And then there was something else that you were either supposed to, it was, I think it was supposed to be the scorpion. It was like a long, sharp other object that they're like, oh, still scorpion. waiting to see that guy. No yeah, way to see him freaking five years later in the MCU. They tease that guy and he's nowhere to be found. Um, and like a relatively at that time, a relatively like known actor from, I think that guy's from Narcos who was cast as. Um, oh, you know better than me. In, in, in Homecoming, a guy who's supposed to be the Scorpion. and has He's, he's also in Better Call Saul. Okay, are you, he's are you talking about the the Amazing Spider-Man or the MCU Spider-Man? MCU Spider-Man. Oh yeah, he's in Better Call Saul. The he's guy, great. him. Okay, yeah, so he's that's a fantastic him. actor. Hopefully, um, hopefully he gets a shot to play the Scorpion. Maybe he's in this movie. I th- I actually think that guy's in Morbius. I think he's in Morbius with Keaton. Oh, okay. Oh, that would be. I, I thought I thought I saw him in, in, the, in the in the clip of the trailer. I thought I saw him. I don't know. He's a terrific actor. He's wonderful on Better Call Saul. He's excellent. Um, I also think that Feige was watching these movies very closely and he was seeing one of his, his prized cherry plummeting a little bit, right. Yeah. Souring with the, with the general audience. And I think he was like enough. Oh, I think he's licking his chops. Yeah, I think he's, and, he's and I think, this thing bombs. Yeah. And I think he's like, this is it. I'm well, taking this guy. My chance to pounce out. I got a great idea. I'm going to throw him in Civil War. I don't think it's a great idea, but I definitely think Feige was the lion after the gazelle. Exactly. And he might have wagged his fingers at some people and said, I told you so. There might have been those kind of meetings too. But, you know, Feige went through so many failures early on with those early Marvel movies. Uh, You know, the guy has really learned from experience. Um, so I can't take away from his brilliance as much as I disagree with some things. You know, he, there's a reason why Feige's, you know, out in LA and I'm here talking to you guys on zoom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's interesting too. I think their relationship is a lot better now, Marvel and Sony. Sure. Um, I think that when I that for a second, personally, oh, you don't think so. No, I think money talks. And yeah. uh, I mean, I, I just, I'm, I'm telling you, Sony is just waiting in the wings to pull them out. They've already done it once. They've reached, they're, they're playing nice because they know the money's coming in, but so, Sony will never give up those rights and Sony's waiting and they're very confident right now. They think their Venom movies are a hit. Their Spider-Verse is clearly a hit. They, they've announced a two-parter coming out. I, I think they're confident within their own building, but um, you know, they're going to just, they're going to just collect checks until they don't need to anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if in a way to, and maybe to reframe that, I think, I wonder if maybe they're more, into Feige's ideas as opposed to uh because I've never really seen him and Pascal talk together like they did on this No Way Home press tour, which is yeah. kind of cool to see them both for once. Um, even though Sony helped produce those other movies, they always felt like very MCU in terms of the press tours and everything, with it just being mm-hmm. fine. Uh, yeah. yeah, and what about this one is on this press tour, John Watts is nowhere to be found, which I also find very interesting. This is not to segue like a different topic, <laughs> yeah. But this is first presser where he is nowhere and that i think we all have and we talked about this on the on the live stream tailgate we did us three and some pals last friday that we'll plug at the end but uh he's just point and shoot in my opinion right the whole conspiracy theory about him kind of not really being the full director of this movie it just keeps growing and growing as we get closer to the movie i'm like wow, Warner brothers should take notes yeah <laughs> 
it's hysterical, man. But uh, you know, I, I think I think we've be this is it, it's an okay movie. Uh, I, if it's on TV, I'm not going to turn it off. I'll watch it for a little bit. You know, I, I you know what could have been, what could have changed, whatnot. Um, just around the horn, how many cannolis you guys give this thing? Yeah, is I'm always five. I'm always yeah, out of five. Yeah, we'll do five. Out of five cannolis, I, I I can only really give this. I think the first one I gave three. And you guys are a little bit less than me. I'm still going to give this two and a half cannolis because of the acting, how how great it looks visually. I think that at the end of the day, it's a very enjoyable Spider-Man movie, but it will it's too confusing, too bloated, and it's not something, Pete, that I'm going to watch beginning to end uh, anytime again soon. You know, if it's on, it's just like you said. If it's on, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to have it on in the background. It's got some of the greatest Spider-Man stuff I think I've ever seen, but not enough for me to to commit hours to it anymore. I'm going to say two and a half as well. I think there's so, so many enjoyable Spider-Man moments and the classic Spider-Man things. And I love the I love him and Stone, what he does with that man, his relationship with New York and the people. And then the rest of the cannolis i can't give because the story does get a little weird at times with the blood and harry's already dying at this young age and there's just a lot of weird it's definitely ambitious it definitely swings through the fences but i think those fences were a lot farther than sony thought so i i, I don't think the ball went over the fence at all so two and a half for me uh i'm gonna just get i i, I can't remember what i gave amazing one but uh i don't think this is better than that i'm gonna give it a two i'll give it two cannolis there's the spider-man stuff is interesting the peter gwen stuff is great the peter may stuff is great but everything involving the Osborns is a huge miss for me. Uh, Electra's origin is so ridiculous. As much as I don't, and I don't mind the blue Electro at all, really. Um, it's just you know, there there's some there's some really good things in there, but I think there's a lot more bad. And you know, this is going to surprise a lot a lot of people out there. But uh, I'm kind of glad this ended and we got the MCU version, even though that's not my favorite. Uh, I'm I just it just seemed to be going in a, in a really bad direction. And I'm kind of glad they just kind of chucked it and started fresh, but that's just my opinion. So before, I'll, I'll give it two cannolis. Before we close out, I want to bring up an interesting Aunt May kind of connection with Sally Field and Marissa Tomei, which I, I don't know if you guys remember his greatest. She was in these, in these movies. I think Sally Field kind of played it down a little bit. Um, I remember seeing a couple of interviews with her where she was kind of like, almost like maybe kind of regretting that she played the role or, or, or didn't know a lot mm-hmm. about, wasn't interested in it a little bit. Um, and then you see Marissa Tomei. I don't know if you caught the latest little, her little press tour here. No, I've been trying We're, to stay away from everything. Guys, kind of yeah. Insinuating a little bit that she may be not quite happy with how her character is kind of portrayed what it is so it's it's funny i'll go back and look up the the sally field stuff but it's just there's a little correlation here a little bit a little i know field did the first movie because her first movie she was casted by a specific casting director whose name escapes me and Mm -hmm. she was she wanted to she wanted her first movie and her last movie to be with this casting director uh, who i think ultimately passed shortly after the movie or so I can't remember all the details, but there was some sort of connection there. And that's okay. why Sally did it. She did it as almost like a, a favor to a friend. Yes. Um, but I, I don't know, like Sally's pretty good. I mean, her, her, my boy speech in Peter's room is pretty yeah. uh, amazing in my opinion. And I, I, I got no, I got no beef with her, her but Hugo Weaving hates every movie he's ever done. <laughs> so, yeah. Which yeah. Is a surprise. 
Yeah, I think it's more for her that she just doesn't probably look back. Like we, I think she's terrific in it, and she gives it her all. But I think it's not successful. In, in her mind, she's probably just not like it. It wasn't memorable for her. Sure. And like I said, this Marissa Tomei thing is interesting too. But we'll see. We I'll know send you the home. video, Pete. The Tomei one. There's this really awkward interview. Yeah. And like the woman, basically, not to you'll watch it, and the people can watch it. I'll I've I've retweeted it, so you can find it on Twitter. It's almost like the. It, so it was like the interviewer is trying to like talk up her character and what they did with that main, this MCU version. And she's just like, Oh yeah. All right. Okay. And then, like, yeah, right? and then she's like, they, she asks, actually asks her like, aren't you glad? Or how did you get into this? And she says, well, it's the, it was one of the first times I really just listened to my agent. And they're like, well, that's wonderful. And she's like, it's debatable. It's really strange. <laughs> it's so I, 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 I like she's in it for a check, to be honest, which is yeah. fine. Like, you know, everyone's, everyone yeah. works to make money and live. So, because I think terrific. when I rip Aunt May, I don't rip Marissa Tomei. I think she's an absolutely incredibly wonderful actress. Who, Nothing wrong with the actress. It's the we've kind of grown up, I've kind of grown up with her, to be honest with you, from my cousin Vinny. And yeah. we're yeah. kind of the same age. She's a little younger than me, but I've thought she's terrific in almost everything she's done. I, it just, goes back to the mcu writing her yeah it's just it's just what they do with the characters uh, like like i think i'm i'm with the camp tom holland is probably overall the best actor like the most comic accurate looking spider-man right like yeah for this it's, it, it's just you know what he's it's what he's meant to do on screen that is a little iffy to me but that's fine i mean whatever i mean We'll see what happens in like what five days. <laughs> Nick is that he's probably seeing it tonight. He's got that uh, AMC uh, like, gold stubs. Got the AMC stubs. He's going. Yeah, he's going to a private uh, black tie affair. Black tie. Oh jeez. Limo's picking him up. Yeah, I'm sure Steph's in this in the back of the limo waiting for him. Swaying. <laughs> oh, Legendary. Now uh, let's let's jump into uh, the new uh, the new arc in uh, the Amazing uh, Spider-Man comic book. Uh, we're going to leave the amazing Spider-Man two uh, on the shelf and we'll pick up the amazing Spider-Man comic book. Uh, this is picking up uh, after Spencer's uh, sinister war uh, beyond uh, four chapters. Uh, Nico, you've been dying to talk about this. So why don't you lead this off? Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Well, first and foremost, um, and we talked about this, I was not huge on the end of the, I wasn't huge on the Spencer run overall, but I didn't really like, and I didn't what they set up here. I think bringing I think bringing Ben Riley back is actually really interesting. I think it's letting Peter breathe a little bit as a character after that. And he really, literally needs to breathe. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> John breathe. He's trying to breathe for his life here. Um, first and foremost, I love the covers. A lot of the covers feel like older, older comic, older Spidey covers mm-hmm. with him just swinging the one where he's got um it looks like he's being held down with something and he's like can we talk about this you know and then the other one with the villain right behind him and you see his his uh his his spider sense going off i think the art from gleason the first two is great um and i like how it it changes to pichelli i believe for the next two i really like it and i just it just feels different and it's letting Peter, especially in the first couple issues, it's 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 really honing in on his greatness as a person and as a character that he does give Riley this blessing and this go ahead of, you know, you get to try to be amazing, do it. And um, I love seeing Ben Riley still struggle with the idea that he is trying to trying to step into the shadow of a greater man in his words. And he has Peter's memories and he knows who peter is but he's not him and he has mm-hmm. to do it 
different way. And I do like the idea of they've played around this with shows like the boys and they've played around it in other forms too, where there's these corporations creating these superheroes and benefiting from them. And I actually found that to be a lot more interesting than I initially was anticipating. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, when Riley's come back, I'm like, Oh, he's like that hero for the rich company. And then when you see how they interact, what that company's trying to do, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in for the beyond corporation stuff. And I like seeing some of these classic villains, like, Mr. Morbius show up yeah. and have it's a little ironic that he showed up in this. Yeah. Yeah. It must be a coincidence, right? Coincidence. <laughs> happy coincidence. Happy Hogan coincidence. There you I'm, go. I'm with you, Nico. This whole like corporate Spider-Man thing, I wasn't sure I was gonna like it, but because I feel like Ben is kind of being played and we don't really know what's going on, and it's not really straightforward. I'm interested because I, I like I said, I don't know what's going on. Um I do miss the classic Scarlet Spider suit. You know, yeah. I, I was digging what Peter David was doing with with, uh, with Ben out in Vegas. I thought that was pretty interesting, letting him kind of be his own man uh, out there. I, I found that interesting. Uh, but, you know, having them kind of like Peter, not really sure. Like, I don't know. He's like, you know, every time it's like MJ says, every time Ben's around, things happen enough for the good, you know, and you're kind of like, I'm like, okay, so th- this is just pretty deep cuts in here. I don't, the, the transition of the two writers going from Wells to Thompson doesn't bother me. I yeah. do wish Gleason was still writing. I don't mind Pacelli, but I prefer Gleason's art. Um, yeah. But, and, you know, I, I don't mind the inclusion of Morbius. I, I'd rather, you know, I can't remember the last time I actually read a Morbius book. So I'm kind of glad he pops up. I know it's for obvious reasons, but it doesn't really bother me. Um, I'm interested to find out what's going on with uh, Morneau, Misty. And I don't know who's the other girl. I can't remember who's Misty's partner. Um, it's interesting that they're involved. I, I wonder what's going to happen. Um, it, I don't know if this is like Team Scarlet Spider. It sounds like a, a SCW show almost, yeah. <laughs> where he's got a crew backing him up. But uh, uh, I, I haven't read seventy-eight point like B or whatever it is. Like I haven't read th- that half issue, so that's interesting. But overall, like I'm kind of I'm, I'm digging it. I'll see where it goes. I I'm not keen on Peter not being the focal point of Amazing Spider-Man. You know, it's 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 kind of like when Tiny would write Batman, but it's a book about Ghostmaker. It just kind of was like, well, why doesn't he have his own title? Um, yeah. We'll see. But but that makes me think that Peter's still going to be a major force in this. And I, I, the the moments with Aunt May in the book were great with Peter in the hospital. And I, I think it was great how MJ wasn't jealous of Black Cat and how Peter's reaction. I thought that was great. She's like, you know, the line where she says, she's like, how many ex-lovers do I have to bring in here for you to actually move again? And, and she, you know, she, she's trying to get Peter back into health and she's wishing and she'll do anything she can. So I appreciate those moments of the Parker moments. I think they're very touching and I'm enjoying this whole journey. Like I'm like Nico. I love Ben Riley. I'm a, I'm a clone guy. I don't mind the clone saga as convoluted as it is. I, I have no problem rereading it. It's one of my favorite rereads. Um, so I'm digging it, but daddy bats like, you you you've done this all in real time, you know, from the jackal to uh, yeah. to uh, Ben Riley's jackal. You know, you you're, you're the one. The clone, that clone saga was some of the best moments of my comic book reading life until it got really screwed up at the end, right? But it was like issue four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but really, those fir- that first inclination when it started, it it was just brilliant and it was great. Me too. I like Ben Riley. It's so very. I I can only re- repeat what you guys said, but it's so Spider Man too that like. You know, Ben comes back. He's getting paid to be Spider-Man. He's got a better suit. <laughs> Poor Peter. <laughs> he gets all screwed up right in the yeah. battle. Yeah. And Ben's like, oh, that's right. Your suit doesn't protect you. And 
It's oh, just, you just have a regular suit. You're the real Spider-Man. You're, I got this high-tech suit. I got money behind me. They're they're watching over me. I got I'm working with this big corporate organization. And here's Peter, so typical of him laying in a hospital bed fighting for his life, right? Mm-hmm. It's really good, guys. I just agree with everything you're saying. I've been excited every week to read it. I like uh, Morbius coming back. I don't know. He's kind of crazy. He's kind of unhinged. So yeah. hopefully, did we miss anything? Yeah, that he's I... lost a limb. <laughs> Almost lost a limb. Yeah, dude, he has a hand gone. Yeah, so it's, uh, it for me, it's, I'm looking forward week to week, Pete. I enjoy it. I agree with you guys. I like Gleason on the art. Uh, I don't know where it's it's going. I don't know how long Ben's in for this with, uh, with Peter. Peter's obviously going to make a big comeback here and take his title back. How that happens is going to be interesting to see, but I'm definitely in for it. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, man. Yeah, I I, I would imagine Ben's in, in this for the long haul. I can't imagine you'd start a story like this and only let it be a short time. I I, I and I think the I, I appreciate the creativity of you know displaying the differences, like you said, in the suits, and that's what causes Peter to go in the hospital. Um, I'm not really familiar with the villains that p- put them in the hospital. Uh, I know that one, ch- what's it called, like Vapor or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, the, that, that, like, I don't know, they're kind of like, I don't know, Marvel's version uh, for the Metal Men, for lack of a better term. Um, yes. So I, I, th- I thought that was interesting to kind of, okay, th- this is cool. It, it doesn't seem cheesy or bad to me. I, I, I'm kind of digging it. So, it, like, I'm, I'm really... I'm giving them a pass on this whole like Peter Parker not being Spider-Man an amazing thing because I'm I'm enjoying the story and Nico brought up the covers I think cover 76 is pretty impressive just yeah. you know him in in the bed and MJ just sitting oh, there yeah. like, it, it's you know Parker luck at its finest so these first four issues um I've been holding off to read it pretty much before the show this way it's fresh in my mind and yeah. I, I I'm interested I like this I was more kind on the Spencer run than most um, but you know, this, this book and, uh, 78 ends with Craven and yeah. it's just, it, you know, and, and it's fun. Cause like, I thought the Spencer run did a good job of incorporating all the big villains. And it seems that this beyond run is going to do something similar. We're getting Morbius, we're getting Craven, um, and we're going to mix it up with Misty and Morneau. And I, I find that interesting and I'll see where it goes, but I'm not, I'm not totally against this corporate Spider-Man thing. Like as someone who doesn't like the Tony Stark Spider-Man, right in the mcu i i can kind of dig this because it's not peter parker but i think ben's being used a little bit and it, it, i think it's going to create for an interesting interesting dynamic i don't truck i don't trust this lady who's in charge of beyond you know of i course. think she's up to something and her uh, last name's danger it's one yeah. of those the only the only con i'll give this book is like insert clearly going to be shady cliche runner like the person in charge is this woman yeah. name is maxine danger max danger uh, yeah. all right come on now like that's so on the nose like oh look at you i'm sure we could totally trust you and you have ben's best interest in yeah, it does yeah, that sounds like a cw Ma- show for sure maxine Absolutely. Danger. Yeah, exactly. I, I you know there's part of me that wishes it was norman osborne and oscorp but yeah. he's dead <laughs> well harry's dead at least well peter's gonna come back and unravel the whole thing i'm pretty sure and probably yeah. take the down and save Ben, and it's going to be good. You guys have read farther ahead than I have, right? You guys are more up to. Yeah, we read the next two. I've read up to eighty, so I read the seventy-nine. Okay, so it goes up to eighty. I'm not that yeah. far behind. I haven't read it. There's the seventy-eight continuation, so it's like seventy-eight point B, like you were saying, yeah. and then 
79. And it drives me crazy they just do that. Why can't that just be issue 79? Yeah, just issue. come on, man. What it, it bothers me because I'm sitting there. I'm like, how do I catalog this? Do I put these in a separate oh. tab? Do I just put them in between oh. the issues? It just makes me angry. <laughs> it was frustrating, but so I've read the couple past this and it's it's still very good. It's still very fun. All right. I'm, I'm looking forward to catching up on it. Uh, you know, I, I think it's good. I, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I say this all the time. I'm just happy to be out of the slot era. As much as I love Dan slot, I did not like Spider-Man. Well, we've said it before too. Like I, for the longest time, I stopped reading Spider-Man for years mm-hmm. and I would come back in sparingly, but I, I think we said we made the commitment. So I'm, I'm going to be reading. We're going to be reading. I should say this title from going forth. Now I'm not going to yeah. be without knowing what's going on in his, current situation right and as him being you know my favorite comic book character of all time one of my favorite characters ever it 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 always wouldn't pay me that one i wasn't consistently reading his book me too and two it would i would struggle with the idea that i would pick up the book and i wouldn't always enjoy it and i'm this is probably the most these four and the next two i've read so six in a row this is the most consistent I've enjoyed a current run of amazing Spider-Man since I think the early Spencer stuff with hunted was really fun. Yes, it was. And then a lot of stuff happened after that, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm digging this and there's something about, I like the corporate Spider-Man because it's not Peter. And yes. I think it works really well. The that Parker industry Spider-Man bothered me, bothered me. And the fact that it is Ben Riley of all people, one who they must manipulate his, ties to peter mm-hmm. i think is interesting yeah and it's, it's with you it's it's, it's it's pretty damn interesting i'll say the one thing that got me through the slot era was alex ross's covers oh yeah i, I was i was I, I i know that i know the emblem is like glowing blue it's still in those covers but i mean i can't i have a hard time turning down alex ross on like a batman or a spider-man cover it, it, it's almost like well this is worth my five bucks i'm sorry <laughs> he had some great shot. He had some great drawings on Twitter of the Sinister Six. And yeah, speaking of him, beautiful. he might have spoiled he he was the Sinister Six before. He I might have did. No way yeah. home, like way before a lot of people yeah. were were talking about him. Like, yeah. and no one called him. He didn't get in trouble. He keeps no. retweeting that picture. <laughs> God you bless. Know, I'd like to know how he. I mean, I'd like to know how, who his source is because I'm sure he's got somebody oh, on the inside. Did you ever catch when he, this is totally off subject, when he tweeted, though, his Universal Monsters drawings? Yes. Oh, my, so beautiful. Will, everything he does is amazing. You don't have any of those, do you? I would love to get no, a print. No, I don't. Uh, I, I would love to buy one for my mother. She uh, she loves, as you do, uh, her Universal Monsters. Her Frankenstein is her favorite. Um, oh, awesome. it's, it, it, I want to look it up later. It's so beautiful. His his rendition is perfect. Yeah, he, he he his Frankenstein's pretty good, and his Bella Lugosi yeah. looks like a por- creature. Like a everything the werewolf. He's got them all in the creature. The creature's my favorite. He's my favorite too, Pete. He's my know? favorite because no one loves. He doesn't get any respect, and it's. I I don't wanna, know. Where I is the reboot, man? When are they going to do I a? I think creature? you could do a really good creature from the Black Lagoon movie. You know. Was that yeah. movie that came out that Del Toro did? They can did. make Anaconda. They can make a new creature. Was that like a creature? No, it was a those. That was a love story. Okay. Uh, what, I mean, uh, what, uh, the, the shape uh, of the GDT. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I think it was inspired by uh, you know the, the the design, but you know he he put his own. That movie was brilliant, by the way. Yeah, Pete, oh, that's one. That's on, that's on my bucket list. Please, somebody reboot. Come on, Universal, reboot yeah. the creature. We know, could like, with. 
today's technology with the CGI and stuff, it could be. Well, like, if you look at Anaconda, Anaconda could be a creature from the Black Lagoon movie, and you just swap out monsters. That's exactly right. You know? yep. So you know, you, you got that. That's from '96, though, and it, it's got J Lo. So there's there's a lot to look at there. Um, <laughs> She's in that movie, yeah. She is in 96. It's early. That's that's vintage J Lo. Bruce Wayne at the Laker games now. You know? <laughs> yeah, she's uh, going. I mean, <laughs> the you know, real life. Hanging out with Ice Cube to hang out with Affleck. So life's good for her. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, really quickly, it is December, and uh, this is a uh, this is a Goomba podcast. So mm-hmm. I I, I want to talk about this just really quickly. Um, I partake in this with my family. It's it's probably my favorite time of the year. Uh, the Feast of the Seven Fishes. If you don't know about it, it is uh, it's an Italian tradition. Christmas Eve, uh, no meat, fish only. I don't know why, to be honest with you. All I know is it tastes delicious. And uh, I would just, you know, for this is pro- the only person who's probably going to appreciate this is Joe Forno. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> being that he is a fellow Paisan, uh, f- some of your favorite dishes, what do you guys like to cook? Do you actually cook the food yourself? What, what goes on in your house Christmas Eve? Well, here, well here's what we do on Christmas Eve. We, we go by my wife's side of the family. So that aspect that we used to celebrate a little bit, because what we used to do, Pete, is we did the same thing, not as elaborate as you, but Christmas Eve used to be in the Caruso household. It would be shrimp. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would do some clams. Mm-hmm. And that would be about it. And then we would make homemade pizzas, which okay. are absolutely delicious. And you're going to even love this thing, ricotta. We would make ricotta cheese sandwiches. Oh, Put them in the oven, bake really? them with some oil, some okay. salt and pepper. French bread that I grew up with as a kid for like up until while my dad was alive up until I met my wife and then we wanted to get married and then my my grandmother and grandfather passed traditions kind of changed so I missed that a lot Mm -hmm. it's a fun time but it was a meatless Christmas Eve I'm going to disappoint you now because now we go to my sister-in-law who does an absolutely spectacular job on Christmas Eve but it is the beef tenderloin. She likes to do it. Is the ham. Oh, it is the ham. It is completely, it's, it's completely different, buddy. Than we around a couple years ago was the neck bone. A couple years ago, yeah. was ravioli. So we yeah. try to bring in some of that stuff. But uh, and I, I give cr- credit. But, but Christmas is is usually Italian thing. Yeah. So Christmas we've brought back the shrimp. Um, really the only fish dish, but it's usually an Italian theme: lasagna, ravioli uh we're gonna do our pastas our meatballs we did brajol last year yeah this is christmas this is christmas day so So christmas day it's acceptable it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of falling on that but it is a wonderful tradition the seven fishes and even though i never really did the full gamut with it it was something similar that we celebrated that i do miss it sounds great, and all and all your photos last year were incredible. I can't wait for them. Okay. Yeah, well, it's funny because you know you mentioned you know as when when certain people pass, the patriarchs of the family traditions sometimes do get lost. Um, I've had you know we 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 I'm I've had many people reach out to me and be like, this is what we used to do with my grandmother. We used to do this. Like this is I haven't done these things in years, and you know it, it's it's a shake. I I almost feel like there's not that many true guineas in the state of New Jersey. <laughs> I'm sure there are, but it, it seems to me like we're one of the, one of the few, like, and my buddy Lucas says this, he goes, you guys are like, you guys, no one does it like you. You guys are th- like the last true guineas of New Jersey. And for us, it's just uh, shrimp, uh, scongili, uh, mm-hmm. bacala. Uh, mm-hmm. What do we do? Boipa, which is octopus. 
Mm -hmm. uh, we do those in salads with some uh, capers, uh, some lemon juice, uh, celeries, uh, um, onion, all that parsley stuff like that seasonings. Uh, my uncle makes a chipino, which has got shrimp and clams and mussels and all that jazz. So, I mean, in total, we probably do like about 15 fishes. We go over last year was the first year we did smelts. I've been dying mm -hmm. to get smelts. And uh, my mother, she's like, we don't do smelt. I don't like it. Too I'm like, it's too fishy. It's like, my, you eat a sea snail. Like, <laughs> crying out loud, you're telling me that like, it's too fishy and I enjoy it. But, but my uncle, he, he, uh, he did not marry an Italian. He married an Irish woman. So my cousins are a little iffy. You know, the, yeah. the, I like I like to I like to I like to make jokes. They're not uh, pure bloods, uh, they're half breeds. <laughs> so we have to have chicken cutlets on on Christmas Eve for them because they'll eat that. They don't eat what they call the funny fish, you know. Yeah. And we do stuff like stuffed galamads and everything, and they'll, they'll eat stuff like that in the in the sauce and everything. And we do fried galamad and fried shrimp as well. So it, it's funny, but it's like because I'm like that's fine. It's more for me, but um, I, I love the, the it was just I love making it. It was something I used to do with my grandmother. And she's been she's been passed since 2013. So to keep those traditions alive really mean a lot to me. And me and my brother make a strong stance of not eating one chicken cutlet on Christmas Eve. You I know, that's <laughs> delicious. And we all know how guineas love chicken cutlets. I refuse to eat one on Christmas Eve. But you know what, Pete? That's beautiful that you keep it. Like I said, yeah. it, it just seems like, you know, and then, you know, when my dad left and then his uncle, then my uncle Frank, his younger brother died. It's just weird how. It, 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 this is the family It's our family got smaller. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's really just my mom and my sister and I We're a small family. We don't have a, a lot of brothers and sisters. And my wife comes from a very big family where she's got three brothers and three sisters. So right. you start to gravitate, you know, you go by the wife's side once in a while and, and things change, but man, I miss those days mm -hmm. of, 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 you know, the shrimp and my dad making the cocktail. I miss the clams. We do the baked clams. Mm -hmm. Uh, we did do the calamari. We did do the galamad, but not all the time. I love the stuff. The not fried or the stuffed. Pardon me. You do fried right. or stuffed? Fried, fried, fried. Uh, yeah. And grilled, fried and grilled. Yeah. Oh, it's delicious. I will, I will say this: my kids, who are we like to call them mutts, right? Because they're they're, they're a little bit of everything. They they're a little, little metagon. Yeah, they're metagon. You got it. Yeah. But my son and daughter love grilled calamad. I oh, love dude, it, dude. Good, oh, it's man. delicious. The wife won't eat. Are you a tentacles guy? I'm a tentacles guy. I love tentacles. I love the tentacles. Yeah, that's my, one of my favorite parts. Yeah, my daughter Sam loves the tentacles. As a matter of fact, that's all she eats is the tentacles. <laughs> she only I, I, you save the rings. Give me the tentacles. Give me the legs. I love my them. wife will be out at dinner. And my wife looks at her and like, I can't watch you eat that. She's like, gonna get up. Yeah, she generally does not like. Yeah, um, my wife is not a a big um, calamari person at all. I, I I will give my cousins credit because they always look at me and they say, you know, you're the one who's going to continue this on. You know, you're the one who's going to cook the funny fish. And, it, you know, it, it's nice to know they, they want to keep those traditions alive as well as themselves. Because, again, it reminds us of our grandmother. That was her thing. Yeah. Um, we come from uh, Bagadilla, which is a, a small town outside of Palermo. That's where our family comes from. We're, we're, we're part of the boot. You got, we're not even part of the boot. We're from Sicily. We're Sicilian. We're Sicilian. Okay. Sicilian but yeah. my, my mother brings it up. Like when she was when she had Christmas Eve at her house, there's like 40, 50 people here. For yeah. us, it's, you know, it's just the two. It's my mother, which is just the three of us. And my uncle, his his family is expanding because now his kids have kids. You know, me and Mike didn't get that far yet. We thank right. God, by the way. <laughs> Take your time, brother. You know, time, you know brother. what else this too, Pete? And I don't know if I'm sure you guys do this, but just the the cookies too, right? Like we would make the uh, the cells, like the the Italian with the anisettes. My, when my grandmother passed, we stopped doing that. Almost like a little waffle, thing. It's almost like a little waffle, you know? Yeah, and yeah. 
call them the Italian slices too, and they're just it's all Anzac, but it's so delicious. Oh, it's, it's delicious. So, it is. You know. I remember my earliest memories as a kid, you know, just cramming those just I remember those things. all with you. Those and pinoli cookies. And then yeah, the other yes. cookies were some of those lemon cookies that we used to, that, that my aunt, my aunt Cena, my aunt Cena was the best. She could make anything. She was a, just a terrific baker, upside down cakes. Um, how about the cannoli cakes? Oh my God. The cannoli Fortunately cake. for me, there's a wonderful um, Italian bakery in my town, uh, Scala's Bakery in North Brunswick, New Jersey, off Route 130. Sure, sure, if you yeah. live in the area, Forno, if you, if you're listening, go to Scala's. I know, I know you live down the shore, but truck it. You'll love, you'll love it. They, they make, their 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 pastry are are uh, second to none really, um, and their pinoli cookies as expensive as they are they're worth every penny, because oh, that might as well be crack. But you know, <laughs> it, you know, I live I live for your sexy pictures of the deli, yeah, and all the places you go to. As much as we love comic books, because unfortunately here there's a few, but they're dwindling. You know, but yeah. we have a great place called Vesuvio's Bakery. We have a a Frankie's Deli, which is unbelievable. But they became very modern. They moved mm. to a big facility. Yeah. And there's lines out the door, but it, it doesn't feel as great as it is. And as good as everything is, there is, it's kind of like being in a target, like a target <laughs> deli, yeah. but it's all got all the authentic stuff. Pete, you, you come here, we'll go there. You're going to love it. You're going to say Sounds it's great. Good. I'd love to but yeah. it's very modernized. You know, it's very, it, it's very 2021. And, uh, but some of those small places, the D'Andrea's and the neighborhood places. It's sad to hear. I thought Chicago would, uh, you know, the, the greater Chicago area would have places like that. Cause around that here, pizzerias and delis, they're a dime a dozen, you know, like, yeah. I, you know, to get, to go from my house to the post office, I passed like four pizzerias. <laughs> yeah. Pizza some some are a little bit more Medigon than others, but. Yeah. The pizzerias. Yes. But the place where you want to go really and find, you know, you can find like the Mariano's, the Italian cold cuts, but when you really want to go a real place to get the cheeses and the cold mm-hmm. cuts, olives. Oh my God. It's just, I'm, I'm hungry right I was now. In, I was in the deli the other day and my guy, Joe was telling me about it. There's a, where he gets the guy who imports all this stuff is out there on, I think it's on Staten Island. And he's telling me like he's, he goes, it's expensive, but like, you know, it's all imported and it's all legit. And he goes, that's where I get everything from me. And he's, you know, and I was like, well, you let me know when you get it. Cause then I'll just go drive down the street to you. I'm yeah, going all the way out to Staten Island, hanging out with Pete Davidson. You're making me a YouTube cooking channel with you, pal, or something like that. I'd, I'd love to. I'll stick to the Instagram pictures. Um, if you're if you're curious, the hashtag on Instagram it's always Roses Xmas Eve cooking, and then 18 or 17, 19, 20, whatever the year is. Uh, so it, it's coming up. We'll be doing some of that, and uh, I'm, I'll be sharing it with you. And I'm sure I'll get the the usual messages from everyone who who appreciate. The fact that someone's still carrying out these traditions and it's just it's one of those things that i really take pride in and, you know I, i'm very ha- proud of my heritage and you know where my family comes from and the fact that uh we eat better than everybody else like i that's not something that's uh that goes past me <laughs> there's a reason why i don't look like nico you know what i'm saying <laughs> that's cool um one really thank you for sharing that not only for us and the audience as well but it's cool that you are the one who's keeping that tradition alive. And yeah, I, I love cooking. It's good. You know, there's to me, there's very few things that better than, you know, getting, getting in front of the stove, popping on some Jimi Hendrix and just cooking up a storm. I don't know why, but for some reason, I feel like I make the best food when I'm listening to Hendrix. So it's crazy. You. Cause I, I don't know how much Jimmy knows about cooking. <laughs> awesome. Some great guitar riffs are to really yeah. get you. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely not listening to like, I feel like if you watch Goodfellas, Paulie's like in the kitchen cooking like Sinatra. Yes. <laughs> Got a little raisin, like, his little yeah. raisin 
acidity slicing the uh, the garlic very thin, you know, yeah. very thin. It's funny because I don't do that. When, I, when I'm cooking with garlic, I just smash it. Yeah, I take off that little rough end and I just throw it in. That's what the wife does. Now, my yeah. wife, my wife is Irish and German, mm-hmm. but she has become an incredible Italian cook. Yeah. And yeah. she learned a lot from my mom and my grandmother before that. But she's she can make she's absolutely spectacular right it's impressive yeah it's very impressive. people think cooking is a hard thing to do it's it's really not it's it's you know it, it should be something that everyone learns it should be a bait you know you gotta you gotta eat to live so i'm surprised at how many people don't cook uh but uh you know i don't have that problem i, I had a very good teacher my grandmother she oh god there wasn't a dish that woman made that i didn't enjoy so that's awesome that was great. all right I'll- those what are what's out of time here we got, we got let's see it's a good stop we got we're at 123 i think we wrap this one up yeah it sounds good to me my friend we put a nice bow on it there That's we go some... so uh, let's do some plugs boys and let's get the hell yes, out of here sir. you can follow me at n caruso jr on twitter and i also like to tout our other show we do with our good friend drummer rob uh, meyer drummer rob 10 right between the eyes podcast it is celebratory kiss podcast of the band three generations of kiss fans and we've got our Kissmas episode coming out. Kissmas, where we talk to Ooksmas. Yeah, it's similar, dude. Similar to Ooksmas. We talk. We talk. If we had an unlimited budget, what would be our most prized possessions of Kiss or experiences that we would pay for? It's fun. It's It's really fun. Uh, You can follow me everywhere at N I K K O C A R U S O. That's at Nico Crusoe. Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox. I do film reviews on TikTok as well. Uh, Check me out there, and we also do our our like main podcast, I guess you could call it is um, the vigilante 1939 that we do with our boy Zeddy. So follow us there. We talk about a little bit of Spider-Man on there, but it's mainly all the huge stuff, Marvel, DC, star Wars, etc. Yeah, you guys talk, you guys cover everything. Stop being cover everything. Everything. everything, 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 everything. Uh, for me, here we go. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Zack Snyder's favorite video at Pete illustrated podcast. Number one that I co-host with a champion of Long Island, Eric Holzman. Straight out of Gotham, straight underscore O underscore G, both on Instagram and Twitter. Check out the Straight Out of Gotham Facebook page. Join the Straight Out of Gotham Facebook group. Everyone on this podcast is involved. Uh, they're all there for some great discussion. Follow Team Yellow Oval uh, as we're getting ready for the return of Keaton and the Flash movie, as well as the return of the Oval in Batman 118. It's finally back, so we're excited wow. about that. Uh, check out my reviews of Detective Comics and other comic books at BatmanOnFilm.com. Batman on Film YouTube. I've got toy reviews, i got interviews. Michael Uslin, Tara Strong uh tony todd we're going to just mix it up you know uh, uh, for that and uh overall just you know just thank you for listening once again we are proud members of the let's go podcast network pop culture without the pop as well as the batman podcast network hosted by batman on film and i want all of you to remember that uh with great sauce always comes great macaroni so until next time